This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Back with Encounter with God here on The Breakfast Show. You're with Lyle and Etienne this morning. It has come time for Encounter with God, which is our Bible study section of the day. We are in the book of Daniel. And of course, for those who listen to the show regularly, you will know we are behind schedule because we had three days off while we re- while we while we rebuilt our system. It's actually kind of a good thing it went down on Friday because that way we're able to... Uh, you know, put in a fairly significant amount of work to uh, get it up and running. Okay, so we are back into our Bible study. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody about the uh, Faith FM Australia app. If you uh, go to your app store and type in Faith FM Australia, uh, you can download the app. It's the best way to listen to Faith FM. You will never have to worry about a signal that sort of cuts in and out. That's fantastic. Look, I actually use another app called uh, TuneIn Radio. TuneIn, that was the one we used to use. And I've got a widget on my phone on one of the screens where it's got all the buttons. And I know in America when you drive around, there's a lot of Christian radio stations you can just tune in on FM, right? Yes. Here in Australia, we don't quite have that. And I just love the fact that I've got all these buttons I could set up. Faith FM is one of those buttons, sometimes, you know, 3ABN or so on. But I just listen to that all the time when I'm driving around. It's such an encouragement and such a blessing to hear the Word of God and Christian music coming through the airwaves and crystal clear sound, digital sound. And, and you don't have to worry about you know a bad signal. You don't have to worry about driving too far and suddenly the signal disappears. You've pretty much got it Australia wide. Anywhere where, where there's a main, anywhere pretty much anywhere where there's a sealed road where you can use your mobile phone, you can listen to radio. That's it. Yeah, that's fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah, we do suffer in the outback a little bit, but that's true. I did find that when I went to the Simpson Desert, I could not pick up Faith FM from the middle of the Simpson Desert. Oh no, I hope you had some podcast downloaded or something. But I did get it. I did get it in uh, in Birdsville. So that was good. Yeah, great. Anyway, so that's the way to listen to Faith FM. Just download the app and you are up and running. We need to have another clue for our quiz. Where are we up to? Okay, right. So we're actually looking for a number. Um, This is going to make it a little bit easier. Judas betrayed Jesus for this many silver coins. Okay. Now, that's going to make it a lot easier because the first one we started there was Second Chronicles and the Passover of Hezekiah. Which chapter? That was, <laughs> that was a tough one. Yeah. I, I, I preached on I preached on that uh, passage a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of like, well, I know it's in the this region of Second Chronicles, and I know that if I flicked a few pages, I could probably find it pretty quickly. But I don't remember the chapter. Yeah. Now, once you flick through was, your Bible, it'll be easy to find. Your visual memory will help you quite a bit, but. Just to rely on memory? I don't know. Is that a sign of old age? I'm not sure. I think so. I think so. (laughs) Anyway, moving on from there, we need to uh, come back to our Bible study. Now, here's here's our situation, Etienne. Last week, we were all primed on Friday to finish Daniel chapter 2. Okay. And that doesn't happen. It is now Wednesday. We've been off air. Which means that, you know, a part of the 20 million movement, 20 million people studying the same passage of the Bible right around the world at the same time, we're kind of behind. So we've got two options here. Mm. We can finish off last week and then play catch up. Okay. Or we can just skip it. What we're going to do is we're not going to just skip it. I think that's good because this is such a vital chapter. It's the ABC of Bible prophecy. Yeah, this is foundational. If you get uh-huh. this messed up, you're going to get everything else messed up afterwards. That's right. So we are going to take our time, 
we're going to cover it thoroughly okay, good for idea. you. And uh, also for our podcast listeners, it will make a complete Daniel podcast set. Fantastic. Okay, so here we go. Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to pick up just uh, verse 37. We did read verse 37, 38 last week on Thursday. We are going to read it again because we kind of figure maybe you've forgotten that little bit. So okay. we'll, we'll read some verses here, and then we'll, uh, we'll work our way down through them. Sounds good. Good. Etienne. So I'm, I'm, I'm reading verse 37, verse 38 of Daniel chapter 2. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And whenever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. Okay. Uh, just uh, recapping from last week. So Nebuchadnezzar received a dream from God. A dream that he then promptly forgot. He asked his counselors to explain to him his dream and the interpretation of his dream and also tell him what he dreamed. They were unable to do so. Daniel was able to do so because Daniel actually served a real God, the God of heaven. Yahweh was mm. his name. And so because of that, uh, he was able to receive the same dream that Nebuchadnezzar received with the interpretation and bring that interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of a great image made out of various different metals, gold, silver, brass, iron, iron and clay that was then hit by a rock that smashed it to a thousand pieces and then the rock filled the whole earth and became a great mountain. Mm. That was the dream. This is what he explains to Nebuchadnezzar. Now he's giving the interpretation and he begins with the head of gold. So you've got this metallic image with four different metals and a ceramic part to it. Yes. The Bible is going to indicate as we go down through that you have symbols in metals and that these symbols symbolize kingdoms. Right. Begins with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. Hmm. If you're looking at the image, you want to know who you are, you're the head of gold. Nebuchadnezzar would have felt pretty good about that. He would have also felt like, well, you know, this is what the kind of thing that I expect. Everybody who's going to, in the past, brought me uh, an interpretation of a dream has always told me good things about myself. Uh, these kings were incredibly paranoid. Their survival depended on their paranoia. And there was always a plot for somebody to take over the throne or take their life or whatever it might be. And this is going to become really important to this story and the next one. Uh, however, we find that Nebuchadnezzar here, he has received this particular um, dream. Daniel comes in like, yeah, you're the head of gold. And he's probably feeling pretty good about himself until you get to verse 39. Mm. First line of verse 39, please, Etienne. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Okay. So here for the very first time, probably in his life, and we've got to remember that you know Daniel at this particular time is in his teens. Uh, he may be 17, 18, 19 at the most. Nebuchadnezzar is in his early to mid-20s. He's a young man. Wow. And, but for the very first time in his life, because he's grown up as the crown prince, he's been the king for two years now, the emperor, I should say, ruling over an empire, for the first time in his life, he's actually had somebody come in and give him a negative interpretation to a dream. This you is could, something you did not do. No, you could lose your head over saying something like that. It's going to be considered treason. Every Absolutely, mm. because basically what this is saying is, Nebuchadnezzar, your empire is going to be conquered. 
Now, if you spread that news around, and there starts, you know, because in the ancient world they were always looking for omens. If you spread this around and it gets out, which it's going to do, because of how publicly this whole event has taken place. You know, you don't put out a command to destroy, to kill, you know, the entire Babylonian cabinet and their families and burn their houses down and turn their houses into a pile of animal feces. Yeah. <laughs> um, that doesn't happen in a corner. This has been done very, very publicly. Yeah. So when this happens very publicly, you now have a public proclamation. Nebuchadnezzar, guess what? Somebody's going to conquer your kingdom. Mm. That's a very dangerous thing to say because it's going to give strength to anybody who has designs on the Babylonian Empire. That's right. They say, look, this is inevitable, so we may as well start uh, rallying forces and start working behind the scenes so we can uh, overthrow this kingdom. If Daniel values his life, this is a really bad, bad choice. But at the same time, it would have had a ring of truth that Nebuchadnezzar would never have experienced before. Hmm. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar is learning things here that he didn't know. The fact that God had actually given him this kingdom. I mean, Jeremiah yeah. the prophet had already prophesied that God will give him a kingdom, not only that he would conquer Judah, but that all the other kingdoms, I think that's in Jeremiah 27, would be ruled over by Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. Absolutely. For, for a period of time because he actually says afterwards that he'll punish them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, indeed. Okay, so let's, uh, let's now read verse 39 and 40 in detail. Okay, it says, but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Verse 40, and the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Okay, so not only you just told Nebuchadnezzar your empire is going to be defeated, You've now said there is going to be an empire that's going to come along that is going to be infinitely greater in strength and infinitely more powerful than the Babylonian Empire has ever dreamed of being. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Now, of course, Nebuchadnezzar is a realist, and you have to understand that the guy was a genius. He was a psychopathic genius. Mm. If he was a realist, he could look back through history. We do know that at this era, and we've mentioned this before, the world was incredibly old. The city of Babylon was one of the oldest cities in the world. I mean, this is a city that's 2,000 years old. Incredible. You know, you think about our oldest city here in Australia, Sydney. Mm. How old is Sydney? Just over 200 years. Yeah, a bit over 200 years. Yeah. Yeah, heading for 250 years old. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar is ruling over a city that's been around for 2,000 years. Wow. You know, this is older than the city of London right now. Mm. And they knew the age. They knew how long things had been around for. So Nebuchadnezzar, he, you know, he, he, if he was a realist, he would be able to look back through history and see the cycle of history playing out. In fact, when Nebuchadnezzar came to power, one of the things that he endeavored to do was to purify the religion of Babylon back to the original religion that they had had when that city was first built. Right, okay. So he had a good understanding of history. Mm. He had a good understanding of 
the cycle of history and the various empires that had intervened between the first Babylonian Empire and the Babylonian Empire that he is ruling over. And so, you know, anybody who looks back through history notices that history is cyclical. And so if he now rules over an empire that is incredibly wealthy and incredibly powerful, then it is going to be conquered by another and then by another yeah. it just shows and you then by another. Importance of knowing your history. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because if you forget your history, you're destined to repeat the mistakes of the past. And it gives you a framework to interpret things that this, you wouldn't have otherwise. This does not stop every empire that has ever existed from planning a Third Reich. True. You know, an empire that will last for a thousand years. Mm. Has there ever been such a thing? Let's think of the big empires that have ruled. You know what was the largest empire that ever ruled the world? Would it have been the Roman Empire? It was not the Roman Empire. Was it Empire. one bigger than the Roman oh, Empire? It dwarfed the Roman Empire. Don't it tell me the, it was the one out of the east there. It was Mongolian. I was just going to go. Was it possibly Mongolian? <laughs> they went right through to the, pretty much the uh, the Mediterranean from yeah. where they were. Uh, the yeah. Mongolian Empire was massive. Wow. Um, but if you look at the biggest empires, or the British Empire, which was the most widespread the sun never set on the British Empire. Never set on the British Empire. Mm. Uh, Queen Victoria ruled over one out of every five people on the planet. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these are there's, there's been some big... But how long did they last? Has there ever been an empire that has lasted a thousand years? Never. Never. It yeah. has never existed. Even though every empire has planned it and every empire has never foreseen its demise. Probably the closest would be the Roman Empire, around 600 years roughly. That's right. Yeah, yeah they lasted three times Which longer than... Which is the iron one we just read about, the fourth one there. Yeah. yeah. They, they ruled for three times longer than any previous empire. Hmm. Uh, and, of course, you know, you look at our world today, you've got the American Empire, and the Americans, you know, definitely have... Uh, and I think the West sees in many ways that, they, you know, this is, this is the way things are done right now, and this will be around forever. No, it won't. We know that from history. That's right. Um, you know, we had the British Empire, and now we have the nation of England. There's this is a, a big change. difference, yeah, isn't there? It's a big, a big change. Yeah. Um, and that has taken place in recent years. Okay, so let's, uh, let's continue on with our prophecy here. We find that you have four metals, you have four empires that are going to come after the Babylonian Empire, they are each succeeding the Babylonian Empire. They are, the, the, the prophecy is specific to this region of the world. Right. It's not talking about the Aztec Empire. Hmm. It's not talking about the um, Inca Empire or the Mongolian Empire. It is talking, well, the Mongolian Empire does come over this region at a future stage, but it's specifically focused on this particular region. It's got to do with Israel, doesn't it? Because the whole prophecy actually connects the prophecies to God's people. That's right. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, th those other empires are not relevant to God's people, and so the Bible doesn't find, you know, and there were big empires, of course, in China and so forth at this, you know, that were taking place at the same time as this. Okay, so uh, the Bible says four great empires. Nebuchadnezzar, if he's a realist and knows his history, is going to like, yeah, okay, I don't like what you're saying. But if I have to be realistic, that's true. And he must be so excited. He's actually hearing his dream. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, 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 and the interpretation, because he will trust the interpretation now, won't he? Yeah. Just imagine if somebody did this to you. You forgot a dream and then someone came and recited it to you. How did you get in my head? You know, yeah. and, and I've said this before, but because he forgot it, 
you know, th- there's no there possibility outside of the supernatural. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that Nebuchadnezzar can have this answer because it's like, well, you know, he can't get it from harem gossip or anything like that. Because mm. Nebuchadnezzar himself couldn't even remember it. That's right. Okay, where are we up to? Uh, d- d- we first 40. First 40 yeah. All right, let's go to 40. Okay, now here's where the prophecy gets really interesting because this is where there is a plot twist. A curveball you did not see coming. And this is what affects us. Verse 41, 42, please. And 43. Because this is a curveball. Because if you were just saying, okay, well, I'm going to predict the next part, there's going to be a fifth empire conquering, just like the others have been conquered. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh We we read something quite different here, don't we? We do. So verse 41, Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. Yep. And then verse 42, And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile or brittle. Okay, so let's uh, make a couple of observations here so far. If we look at the metals, as we go down through the metals, they decrease in value, gold, silver, brass, iron. It's true. They increase in strength. If you look at the history of what took place after the Babylonian Empire, that's exactly what we see taking place. You know, you've got the most wealthy empire probably the world has ever seen in the Babylonian Empire. You have Nebuchadnezzar using that wealth to build a city that dwarfed by at least three times in size any city in the ancient world anywhere on the planet. Mm. And it was done I mean, with costly materials, wasn't with, it? It was a beautiful place. This was a guy who his wife came from a mountainous region and Mr. Mountain says, like, we'll build mountains. Mm. This is a guy whose wife also came from a mountainous region where the climate was cooler because she comes from Iran, modern-day Iran, where the climate was cooler and she didn't like the heat in Babylon. So he's like, fine, I'll air-condition my palace. Incredible. You know, this was a guy who built a double row of walls around his city and built his city over the Euphrates River. You know, every ancient city is looking for a water supply so that they can withstand siege, and most of them have a spring. Mm. You know, ancient Jerusalem was one of the one of the greatest fortresses of the ancient world. It was a fortress it a, city. Had a spring, yeah. It had a spring. Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar is like, yeah, nah, we're not going to do with a spring. We'll just take the Euphrates River, one of the greatest rivers, rivers in yeah. the ancient world. We'll build our city over the top of that. You know, this was this was um, just unsurpassed. Mm. And then, of course, the Hanging Gardens as well, which is one of the ancient wonders. Yes. Yeah. It goes on and on. But anyway, the uh, the wealth decreases as you come down through until you get... And, and, and we can look at history and we can see exactly what takes place. The Persians conquer the Babylonians. You can read all this from Wikipedia or anywhere else you want to look up. Um, there are four empires. The Persians fo- conquer the Babylonians. Or the, the Medes and the Persians, a coalition government, uh, becomes known as the Persian Empire or the Achaemenid uh, dynasty. Mm. Then you have the Greeks who conquer the Persians under Alexander the Great. You've yep. all done this in Battle high school. Of, Battle of Arbella, yeah, yep. 331. That's right. Yeah. Then you've got the uh, Romans who conquer the Greeks and establish the Roman Empire, you know, three times the size, last three times longer. Yeah, that was the Battle of Pydna. That was, what, 168 when they started attacking them? And, yep. yep. And, uh, and that's exactly what happens. And then the Bible says a change will happen. End of empires that rule over... This region. Mm. Never again. It says that it will 
collapse, it will be partly strong and partly broken. It will not stick together. We're coming to that verse because iron and clay don't mix. You can't take a uh, a molten pot of iron, pour some clay into it, stir it up, and make an alloy. Doesn't work. No, no. They're not going to blend together. Mm. So verse forty three says, and as iron. You saw iron mixed with ceramic clay. They will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. Okay, so essentially what the Bible is saying is that this empire will never, ever be reunited again. And what we're going to find out when we come back is that is exactly what has taken place down through history.
You're listening to Jaden Levick with I Surrender All. This is The Breakfast Show. You're with Lyle and Etienne this morning. Special guest from Voice of the Martyrs. Super glad that uh, you're able to be here with us, Etienne, and of course uh, in the chapter of the Bible that we're studying here. Yeah, Daniel almost became a martyr. That's true, yeah. He almost did. He was right on the edge, but prayer was what pulled him through. And and uh, you've been telling me off air some of the stories about how prayer has intervened in people's lives who should have been martyrs. And uh, I'd love to get you back on the radio sometime to yeah. share, share um, some stories with us. In regards to martyrdom and even the future events that lies ahead of us, this book of Daniel is an incredible book to give us a lot of encouragement. How God has intervened because of prayer. We need to finish this up. Mm. There is so much good material here. Absolutely. Let's read again verse 43. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. Okay, so here's what the prophecy says. The prophecy says that the kingdom will be broken. Yes. So we've come down to Rome. We know that. That's very, very clear. No one's going to argue with that. We've come down to Rome. The Bible says that Rome will be broken. Mm. Did that happen? Yes, by 476, Rome had collapsed. You would then expect, under the cycle of history, another empire to overtake where Rome was. It doesn't happen. It falls apart initially into 10 separate nations. That's right. We'll get into more detail on that maybe later if we've got time. Um, Either that or we'll cover it when we come to Chapter 7 because this is repeated. But it collapses and it's made up of some strong nations and some weak nations, just as the Bible says. Some iron nations, some clay nations. And then you come to this interesting phrase right in the middle of verse 43. And what you've got is five simple words. I want you to catch the, the importance of these five words. These shall not Stick together. Now, those five words there have stood for nearly 2,000 years now, and they have brought to an end the greatest plans of the greatest generals, statesmen, presidents, prime ministers, kings, and emperors that our world has ever seen. Mm. Because since those words came into effect in 476 AD, there has been a constant, unabated effort to defy those words. There has never been a period in history where there has not been somebody who has been endeavoring to get around those five words to nullify those five words, and those five words have just stood in the way. Uh, yeah, there's been a number of ways they've tried as well. It's been yeah. through war, it's through, been through intermarriage, the mingling of seed. The mingling of seed, yeah. When you come down to uh, Queen Victoria, she was uh, she was the grandmother of Europe because she was married to, she was related to, I should say, not married to, but related to all of the royal families of Europe. And they were interbred so much that there was some unusual phenomenon in the features, like the Habsburg jaw, where the jaw was prolonged and it got so bad with them marrying their relatives that they even stopped being able to have children and that whole uh, line actually died out. You know the Habsburg jaw where they've got this protruding yeah. jaw that, yep. that came out in, in some of the uh, the aristocracy in Europe? Uh-huh. It was, uh, All the mingling of the sea was, trying to keep themselves together, but they, they did not stick together. Well, they had a big family fight. Mm. We call it the First World War. <laughs> well, that's right. You know, it's like the Kaiser writing to the Tsar, you know, dear cousin, 
Mm. We won't invade. Next week, he invades. You know, <laughs> this is kind of how it worked. They were all related to each other and like, well, if we can get ourselves related to each other, maybe we can create peace and maybe we can stitch the empire back together that way. So that's one of the methods that has been tried. Yeah. The obvious method, of course, has been warfare. Mm. Uh, you know, you go back to the times of Charlemagne and others. They're trying to put the empire back together. It's not working. You come down to more modern times, Napoleon probably came closer than anyone else. You know, when he read this prophecy from the Bible, history tells us that he picked up his Bible and he hurled it across the room in a fit of rage. Wow. Uh, the Kaiser, when he read this prophecy of the Bible, was so angry at it because it was his intention to defy the prophecy and to restore the Roman Empire that he searched until he found in the, in the Cathedral of Metz uh, a statue of the prophet Daniel. And he cut off its head and put his own head there. Incredible. When Adolf Hitler came to power... Sounds like Daniel chapter 3, that part a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. When, when Adolf Hitler came to power, he took the Kaiser's head off and put Daniel's head back on mm. and then went on to state that it did not, Daniel 2 did not fit into his plans for Western Europe. You know, over and over and over again through warfare, mm. people have tried to stitch this empire back together. So we've had intermarriage, we've had warfare. The other big one, of course, that stands out is diplomacy. That's right, yeah. That's the era, era that we live in. Uh, the era of diplomacy was created by the atomic bomb. Mm. Without the atomic bomb, the era of diplomacy would never have existed. But the fear created by a weapon that can potentially wipe out the entire planet uh, created the era of diplomacy. And so now rather than fighting over it, it's like, well, let's talk about it and let's form, you know, the uh, the United States means, of yeah. the United States of Europe so we can have an economic competition for the United States of America. Mm. Otherwise called the EU. That's right. And of course the EU was never the same as the Roman Empire because the EU uh, was a collaboration of states rather than an empire, but there's no question that there have been there has been a very very large push to form that into an empire, mm. and of course now, for the last how many years we've been in the middle of Brexit, you know where England is tearing itself out of that empire, and so in effect what we can do is look across to the other side of the world, and right now in front of our eyes, we can see Daniel 2 being fulfilled again. That's right. As it he has been. Have predicted this. How many people were surprised by this and the vote yeah. to exit the European Union? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Incredible. And, and, and the opposition under which it is taking, mm. taking place. You know, the European Parliament, they've never been able to come up with a united constitution. You could go on and on and on and on. There has been a lot of effort to defy this prophecy, monumental effort to defy this prophecy, and no one in 2,000 years has succeeded. In two and a half thousand years, I should say, because the prophecy goes back all the way back to the time of Daniel. Mm. Okay, but we have to get to the best part of the prophecy. The best part of the prophecy is the coming of the rock. The rock is a symbol of one person alone from one end of history to one one end of the Bible to the other. Uh, Etienne, can you read for us verse 44 and 45? It says, In the days of these kings, so these are the divided kingdom, right? The God of heaven will set up a kingdom 
which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to another people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Okay, in the Bible, who is the rock a symbol of? Jesus Christ. That's right. Uh, let's look at that uh, very quickly. I'm just going to flick over here to First Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 10. 10. Yep. Verse, yep. verse 4. Verse 4. There are a multitude of different verses where the Bible talks about Jesus being the rock. But just to confirm this for you, uh, chapter 10 and verse... For it says, and they all drank of the same spiritual drink. They drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. This is the greatest part of this prophecy because we are living in the tips of the toenails of Daniel chapter 2 right now. The next great event to take place on our earth is the coming of the rock, the coming of Jesus Christ. Daniel stood in front of the king and said, The dream is certain, the interpretation is sure, and nothing has changed in two and a half thousand years. You can trust every word of this prophecy. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. And I could just stay. Just stay right where I am and hope to feel you Hope to feel something again mm. And I could hold on I could hold on to who I am And never let you change me from the inside
Welcome back, guys. That was All Sons and Daughters with Called Me Higher. We have come to question of the daytime. Before we do, we have another clue for our quiz because nobody has snapped it up yet. Etienne, okay, what have so you got for us there? The question we have here, we're looking for a number in the Bible that's used consistently through all the clues we've given you so far, but this one is probably by far the easiest one, right? It says Jesus was approximately this many years old when he began his ministry. In other words, he was the age of somebody who could be a priest. That's right. Which, yes. Which covers the first question. So how old was Jesus when he began his ministry? Yeah, if you know that question, give us a call. What is the number here, Lyle? 1-800-324-843, or you can text us on 0491-064-669, and a copy of Nature's Superfoods will be coming your way. There you go. All right, so question of the day, Etienne, what have you got for us? Okay, now I was involved in an interesting discussion with some uh, some friends of mine just in this week, actually. We were talking about different worldviews, and one of those worldviews is actually a deterministic theism. Now, under deterministic theism, basically you have a, a, a worldview where everything's predetermined by God. There's actually no free will, really. But f- flowing out from that is this concept of once saved, always saved. And Calvinism pretty much teaches that. They, uh, they use the acronym TULIP to talk about the five key attributes of Calvinism. But under the P, perseverance of saints, basically it says this. This is the belief that once an individual is saved, he or she can never lose his or her salvation because he or she is eternally bound to Christ. So does the Bible teach once saved, always saved? That's the question. Absolutely not. Okay, well, I'm going to be interested to hear your And if you've got some thoughts on this, our number is 1-800-324-843. Feel free to call through. I will have a a chat with you about this any time you want. Okay, so let's read some Bible passages on this. Let's begin in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus is sharing a parable, um, and he says, So went out to sow his seed, um, some fell on the path, the birds ate it, some fell on the rock. I'm paraphrasing quickly here. Um, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered because it had no moisture. Some fell amongst weeds, and the weeds choked it, and some fell on good ground. Then he explains it to them. He says in verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those on the path are those that hear, so they hear the word of God, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So these are people who hear the word of God, but they never give their lives to Jesus Christ. They never believe unto salvation. What's What's key to this passage is the Bible is speaking about belief unto salvation. Right, so they've got a choice in the matter. Yeah, it's not talking about, you know, devils believe. No, it's not talking about that kind of thing. It's talking about belief to salvation, lest they should believe and be saved. So this is belief that will be saving faith. Mm. Now, it's not God that's prohibiting them here. It's actually the devil that Yeah, that's takes right. The devil takes away. Yeah, okay. Then you have those on the rock are those which when they hear receive the word with joy, these have no root, which for a while believe and in time of temptation fall away. Mm. For a while they are saved and then time of temptation, they fall away. Yeah, the word temptation there means testing. It also can yeah. mean persecution. That's right. Yeah. Those which fell among thorns are those which, when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life and bring forth, forth no fruit to perfection and live in Australia. Um, <laughs> just adding a little bit right there. That's a perfect description of Australia. But those on the good ground are those which, in an honest and good heart, having heard the word and keep it, bring forth fruit with Patience. So keeping it and patience are the key words to this particular parable. Yeah, that word patience also means endurance. That's right. Mm. If we go over to Matthew chapter 25 very quickly, Matthew chapter 25, 
And there is a whole parable here of the wise and the foolish virgins. The kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins which went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish. Those that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was made, Behold, the bridegroom groom comes, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps have run out. Oil in this parable is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. How many of them had been filled with the Holy Spirit? All of them. Yes, they all had the Holy Spirit. But half of them ran out. How many of them had lamps, the word of God? How many of them had been obedient? How many of them had gone out to meet the bridegroom? How many of them had um, were expecting the, the coming of the bridegroom? How many of them wanted to be saved? All of them wanted to be saved, and yet only half of them were because they ran out of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So very, very clearly, we could go from one passage to another. This is the case in the Bible. Truth is harder than a lie. The dark seems safer than the light. And everyone has a heart that loves to hide. I'm a mess and so are you. If 
You're listening to Francesca Battistelli here, if we're honest. Uh, this is The Breakfast Show, and you've been on this morning with Lyle and Etienne as our special guest host. Okay, so we do have an answer for the quiz, Etienne. You don't get to give a last clue. Okay, no, I don't have to give the last clue, but the answer... What would, what would have the last clue been? Okay, am I 10, am I 3, or 9, or am I 30? You might be 30. <laughs> okay, so Bolomar Terry from uh, Kurumbong, New South Wales, has called through with the correct answer. Bolomar, you will be receiving a prize, and the correct answer was 30. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Um, Darius decreed worship of himself for 30 days. Right. The story of Hezekiah's Passover is in Second Chronicles chapter 30. Um, I forget what the other clues were, but they're all 30. 30 pieces of silver? 30 pieces of silver. Yeah, 30, 30, 30, 30 pops up in a number of different places in the Bible. Okay, so that's the answer to the quiz. Uh, we've come to the end of our show, which means that we are going to give something away entirely for free. All you have to do to uh, to get this one is just give us a call. And I was told to slow down on my numbers. Okay, so wife actually just t- sent me a text as well, but she didn't send it to the right number to win the prize. <laughs> <laughs> on one eight hundred three two four eight four three. You need to save that in your phone or save our text number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. The book we're giving away is uh, Jesus one hundred one Introduction to the Real Jesus Matthew Prophecy Fulfilled by Elizabeth Vieira. Talbot. So give us a call right now and that will be yours. Don't forget we love your company here every morning on The Breakfast Show. Don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. The sun goes down and the moon cries out its love Confides in the love that hides between the two And I know I'm not afraid to call this home And I know that you aren't too And you Themselves into 